Welcome to Voices of Experience, the podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, Crystal Washington. Today we're discussing controversy. This day and age, with the global atmosphere as it is, you can't afford to miss this conversation because whether you plan it or not, there's a good chance you'll be faced with a contentious topic from the stage. After today, you'll be prepared. Our guests include Jess Pettit, who will walk us through when and how to address controversial topics in our presentations. We'll also be joined by John Register, who will highlight how we should speak beyond tolerance and engage our audiences in difficult conversations that will make them more effective. We'll also be joined by our NSA president, Anna Liotta. Let's get started. On this episode of Voices of Experience, we have Jess Pettit, CSP. For the last 13 years, she's averaged more than 51 unique audiences, which by itself would be impressive, but without doing any outbound marketing. Add to that the fact that she's known for addressing controversial topics in her presentations, she's going to blow away our belief that we have to be safe to be successful speakers. Thank you for joining us today, Jess. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So let's dive right into this thing. You know, my first question to you is, why should speakers talk about controversial things in their talks? Aren't we supposed to shy away from that and and be nice and have everyone like us? So let me address why and why not at the same time. So when you talk about safety, I think it's important to mention that you don't really know how safe people do or don't feel, just like confidentiality. You can't guarantee that because people have computers in their pockets and they're tweeting out whatever. Mm. So I think it's an an important thing that we often in this profession play it safe. Mm -hmm. And so then we don't do things. And so what I think is interesting when we talk about controversial topics is that you can make a conscious choice about which controversial topics or which difficult topics or challenging situations, especially in your theme, your topic, your niche market, Mm -hmm. which ones are you comfortable with addressing and which ones are you aren't? It's about doing your homework in advance. Okay. Sometimes there's also something that happened that day. Mm-hmm. So do you name the elephant in the room that day or mm-hmm. do you skip it? And I think it's it's up to you and you have to figure out your own homework. Okay. So the, the three whys. Okay. The three whys is that everyone in the room knows that it happened. If it's something in your niche or in your topic, mm-hmm. almost everyone in the room knows that this is a thing. Okay. And I think it's our responsibility as the experts in that particular area, but also the expert on the stage with the microphone in that moment to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest why. Mm-hmm. Why to address a controversial topic. The other piece is that you're solving a problem, you're addressing their fears, you're the expert. So do that for them, help them. I think that's what we're getting paid to do, Mm. is to really name what is the, at the crosshairs of the scariest fear-based piece Mm -hmm. that someone in the audience has to deal with. Aren't you the expert to deal with that? Right. Right? And then the last one is they can't hear any, If especially if it happened right then. Mm-hmm. It happened that day. It happened that morning. Mm-hmm. People are checking the news on their phone or something like that. Right. You not addressing it, you're separate from them. And part of making a connection to your audience up front mm-hmm. is naming something that happened and thanks for being here with me now. Okay. Right? The why not to is do not do therapy on stage. No? No, don't do that. Do okay. it on someone else's couch. Okay. 
That's number one. Number two is if you want to name something that you you think is controversial, but you don't know anything about the topic, then you're being flashy. You're going for shock value on a controversial topic. That is ultimately the unsafe thing that a lot of us are scared of doing. Okay. If you're not an expert on it, don't talk about it. Right. And if you're not an expert on it and you're scared of talking about it, don't talk about it. (laughs) That sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, just a tip. Fun facts. Um, The other, the last reason not to talk about something Mm -hmm. is if it is so personal Mm -hmm. or it is so distant Mm -hmm. from the theme that your meeting professional or your client have brought you into talking about, Mm -hmm. there's no need to talk about it. Okay. If you can also still connect with the audience without addressing it, then you don't have to do it. You don't have to be that uncomfortable on stage because of timing. Okay. That's the whys and the whys nots. Okay. So then... How do we talk about these things? So we know now, those of us listening, when it is and isn't appropriate based on our knowledge level and and what the audience does and doesn't know, but how do we even address these things? Is there like a formula for how you go about it? Do you just blurt out, so this happened today, it sucks? Yeah, just play it by ear and blurt. That's always good. (laughs) Especially when it's really controversial, just wing it. Yes. Uh, Have y'all been on Twitter today? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, hashtag sarcasm. No, don't do that. So, there's a couple of hows that I think are important. And so, the first one I want to name is what I call, like, back to the future how. Okay. So, uh, I was speaking in Sandy Hook during Sandy Hook. Wow. Now, because I was in Sandy Hook during Sandy Hook, none of us knew that what we know now as Sandy Hook, which is when a mass shooter went into an elementary school and killed a lot of small young children and teachers and coaches in the building. I didn't know that was happening in the moment. Right. Neither did my audience until my audience started getting texts. Oh, my God. So I don't know what's happening. Right. So the first thing I want to mention is that when you go back in retrospect, mm-hmm. oh, I should have handled that better. There is no way on stage mm-hmm. I could possibly have known or even imagined what was happening. Right. I had participants who lost their children that day. Oh my gosh. And I don't know that. Right. But I saw their faces mm-hmm. when they got texts. They left the room. They left their stuff on the table and they didn't return to the room. Mm-hmm. So number one thing I would say how is recognize the world is bigger than your 45 minute time slot right it might not have anything to do with you at all Mm -hmm. and then take that lesson later when you piece together what happened and Mm -hmm. apply it to the future okay for me that's the motivation of why you need to say something right now okay so the other how that i really want to name is i'm gonna i was at a conference in new mexico there was a comedian woman, a woman comedian who was the MC, mm-hmm. and there was a presenter, a young man from the Department of Education who was doing presentation. Okay. So not the most exciting way to open in the morning. So, right? So Department of Ed guy finishes up talking about education stats for the state, goes to the back of the room to get his potatoes and his breakfast. Okay. The comedian gets up and she's trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. She sexually harasses him to the point that she's like, I know you said you just got married, but you know, divorce is real. You know, here's my room number. From the stage. From the stage in the morning. The Department of Ed guys in the back of the room over, you know, Federal government. uh, Beat red. And then she introduces me. (gasps) So in that moment, I don't, I am certain I could have maybe not said something. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to not say something Mm -hmm. in that moment. Right. So the the other how that is important is steal 30 seconds of your time Mm -hmm. to do your client's hard work. 
Okay. So what I did is I took the stage Mm -hmm. and I said, in this time, Mm -hmm. when we are talking about sexual harassment, Mm -hmm. we need to understand how power dynamics work. Mm. And this behavior is never okay. Wow. That was 20 seconds. Right. I waited two beats. Mm -hmm. I could feel the energy in the room release. Mm -hmm. And then I started my keynote. Okay. It has been a number of years since then. And the client said, not only did I solve the political problem with the Department of Education, Mm -hmm. I solved problems with the board. The staff wasn't put in an awkward position. Wow. The whole conference could move on. You just diffused it. Right. That's my expertise. Right. It cost me nothing. Right. I can follow a comedian and fix something Mm because that's my expertise. Mm. So the other how is what is your expertise? And then use it. And then don't if it's not your expertise. Right. Right. So in that situation, I was in the right place at the right time to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Did I know how to do that in advance? Mm -hmm. No. Right. But I pulled from Sandy Hook and other instances where I didn't know what was going on. Okay. To be in a moment where I do know what's going on and I was able to say something. So out of curiosity, because I'm sure people that are listening are wondering the same thing. So me as a tech speaker, someone else who speaks on another, like just say leadership. Well, leadership might still apply in this case Mm -hmm. as well. Do we say something when we come on stage? Like if we were in your position, would we say that? Right. So the number three how is run back through why two and why not twos. Okay. What's your answer? Right. So if you teach about why yellow widgets are the best widget Mm -hmm. and how you sell and and I don't even know, use holograms to sell yellow widgets (laughs) um, and something happens. You know my topic well. Right. I do. So good. (laughs) Uh, There's an app for that. You're coming for my job. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, Yeah. I actually had to use uh, the arrow keys on someone's keyboard recently to move PowerPoint slides. I felt like an IT department. Very exciting. (laughs) Any hoosies, when you take the time to go back through the why or the why not to say something, that's your job. Okay. And you need to have a stern conversation with yourself. Mm -hmm. Are you the right person to do this? Mm -hmm. So then the last how is let's say you've gone through the why twos and the why not twos. And let's say you can't even come up with an answer. Mm -hmm. It is not on topic. It is not your expertise. Mm -hmm. And there is a giant elephant roaming around this room. Talk to the person who hired you Mm -hmm. and ask them, do you want me to address this? Mm -hmm. Do you have a suggestion on how to address this? Mm -hmm. I am about to be on stage with a microphone with people who are socially supposed to be quiet. Right. Let's partner with this decision. Okay. And if they say yes, figure it out. That's your job. Gotcha. And if they say no, don't do it. Now that we know how and when to address controversial topics from the stage, let's switch gears to learn why we should engage and lead our audience members to stretch beyond tolerance. Today we have in the studio John Register, who has advised two U.S. Secretaries of State on disability policy, and he is the founder of the United States Olympic Committee's Paralympic Military Sports Program. Thanks for being with us today, John. Oh my gosh, I'm excited. Thank you. (laughs) Me too, me too. We're talking about living beyond tolerance, and Taboo Topics plugs right into that. When it comes to creating authentic conversations, what should we do before we even get to the event regarding taboo topics? Well, you know, most of our audiences are extremely diverse. 
And I believe that we should be leading authentic conversations. I mean, if we're really talking about thought leadership, we should be the ones doing the thinking and pushing that content out there. So before you even go to the platform, before you go to the stage in your pre-conference questionnaire, you should be asking, what are some of the challenges or some of the things that are taboo topics Mm -hmm. around your industry? And that is a great place to insert your thought leadership in it. Because if you can't lead that conversation, why are you on the platform? How does this show up in your presentations? You're learning beforehand which topics are taboo. Do you change the way you present? Do you ask your clients which items you are absolutely not supposed to talk about versus which things are little gray areas? How, how does this show up in our presentations, John? That's, that's a great question. The, the way it shows up is you will get somebody maybe from the audience that might ask you a question or uh, that's something that you truly want to stay away from because that will that's something that they won't, don't want to talk about, maybe some intellectual property or things that are happening. Mm-hmm. But really, you're getting yourself prepared for whatever question might come at you mm-hmm. and you're able to lead and guide that conversation. And again, you should be the the authenticity that's up there on the platform because they're coming to you for that expertise. But there's also things that we can do. We can guide conversation and bring people closer and, and talk about issues that are right there in the room because we can guide that conversation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be us, you know, pro, you know, pontificating and, and seeing our, our thought leadership out there. We can actually guide the conversation that's in the room by asking questions and then leading a very robust dialogue. So, for instance, if you know this company has issues with sexual harassment or maybe with some issues with how LGBTQ people have been treated or racism or something, you're saying that based on your topic, of course, because I'm a technology speaker, I'm not inserting this in my presentation, typically. But you're saying for some of us, we can actually insert this into our presentation to be more authentic and have a more realistic conversation? Absolutely. And it does, I really don't think it matters where it happens because Mm. we're a global society and we hear this all the time. And if we're really in a global society, we should be able to, when if it comes into our world any type of way, mm-hmm. because we're in a diverse, if you think you're not in a diverse audience, right. you know, we're global. I mean, right. We're always in a diverse, diverse audience, so we should be able to to lead that, that conversation and, and thought. So whether you are in technology like you are in okay. such a brilliant space, or whether you in, are in diversity and inclusion, right? Mm. We can guide those conversations, and they're, they're showing up everywhere, because I, I call it with, with inside of disability, disability is the D word that is there in every one of those ERGs or BRGs, employee resource groups or business resource groups okay. in a company. Disability is everywhere. So therefore, I can lead that conversation and no matter what nomenclature, no matter what model comes up before me. Okay, so what I learned from that then is even if your topic is not related to these things, if there's some overlap, it still makes sense to address it. Absolutely. Okay, but with foresight because now you've already been planning for it because you already did the sheet with the client. So at least you have some preparation. You're not just jumping out there. Right. Okay, my last question for you. How can speakers address controversial topics from audience members? I think we've all been there. We're on the stage and someone says, I have a question and they ask you something and everyone's face looks like a deer in the headlights, the whole audience. How do you address that? Has that ever happened to you? Absolutely. <laughs> so when, I, when you were saying that question, I saw my wife, she's a flight attendant, right? Okay. And when, when, the, when the plane jumps or goes up or down, uh-huh. everybody looks to her. And that's the uh-oh look, right? Right. So with that, I was, I was leading a conversation 
doing my presentation with uh, a, a military group. Okay. And I had a question member from the audience. I'm the only one that's up there, not in a, a I'm in a suit, not okay. in my military uniform any longer because I'm out of the military. Okay. And the, and the question to me, being an African-American male, up and only one on the stage, okay. says, um, John, uh, let me ask you a question. These are all officers about to lead, lead their troops. I said, okay. what do you think about NFL players kneeling? Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, and he said, he gave me an out and said, well, if you really don't want to answer that question, I said, oh, no, 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 I can answer that, that question. Okay. And so I told them, and I, I won't go the whole detail, but right. I told them, well, there are two parts of this conversation, but mm-hmm. you do not have the luxury mm-hmm. because you are leading troops mm-hmm. to be polarized on this conversation. Ooh. You have to lead this conversation. And so we, then we talked about how to do that, and we okay. got feedback back, and we walked through some facts around things. Okay. But if you if, if you think about it, these folks are going out to lead troops right. in battle. And if I got division before I even get on the battlefield, hmm. people die. So not having that authentic conversation, not addressing it in the first place, is dangerous. Absolutely dangerous, and we have to have it because it makes the, the, just the world that, that better place for all of us. So it sounds like when you received that question, you actually facilitated the room coming to answers. Does that sound about right? You said you were leading them through facts, so it wasn't just you giving your own statement or opinion. Absolutely. So I researched, you know, what, where did this argument come from, and you know, what are the facts around it? So I had that with me, mm-hmm. but I also had historical facts. You know, okay. when I say, I said, all of us know mm-hmm. that the first kneelers in the military, you mm-hmm. know, a, 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 for a flag, mm-hmm. were, were not NFL players. Right. Right. And they were like, oh, okay, probably like all y'all out there doing right now. Okay, what are you talking about? Right. Well, the first kneelers were, think about 1776. Mm-hmm. How did we fight? How did mm. our forefathers fight? They knelt before their brothers that were from uh, England, right. and they knelt and fired weapons into them for a flag mm-hmm. that was the, the epitome of 13 colonies, right? Mm-hmm. The, the 13 stars that we had in the original flag. And, we, and that flag represents the, um, the growing, the stretching, so to speak, of our democracy, mm. right? And so that's how we begin the conversation. We can talk about those facts. Who's the first person that was killed in the battle? Right. Crispus Attucks, who's that? African-American person, right? right? No one knows that. He's, it's it's a shot heard around the world. We don't talk about Christmas addict. We only talk about the shot heard around the world. Right. So now we, we just walk that conversation all the way through. It's time to hear all about the newest NSA happenings with our president, Ana Liotta. This month, our presidential moment is on governance. As you may have heard, I am serving as the last volunteer president of NSA. But you also may be wondering... What exactly does that mean? How will it be different? In August of 2020, NSA will be moving to a chair of the board governance model, and our CEO will become the president and CEO. The chair will still be the voice of the membership and the leader of our board of directors, and your NSA board will continue to support the president and CEO in defining and refining the strategic direction of our association. Already, a number of our sister associations, MPI, ASAE, and ATD, have already moved to this model very productively and profitably. So let's look at an example of how this touches our members through our volunteer model. With our new governance model, we also have a new volunteer model. In the past, the volunteer president appointed over 30 volunteers for one-year roles. This structure had volunteers reporting to volunteers, 
with a changeover every year. One of our NSA values that our members live and demonstrate every day is abundant generosity. We share our experience and expertise with each other. For decades, our members have contributed hundreds of hours as event chairs to plan amazing events, but sometimes at a significant sacrifice. This level of demand and stress on our members' businesses is unsustainable. One element of the new volunteer model is that we have shifted to programming committees appointed by the president and CEO. The programming committee model includes many members' gifts, perspectives, and insights over a multi-year time frame. Instead of working on one event, they're working on multiple event designs over time. This allows for year-over-year learnings and a diversity of perspectives and approaches. Our professional staff runs the operational side to make our programming smooth and effective, and our members help inspire relevant and compelling event programming. As members, we still have the chance to serve just differently. For those of you that want to express an interest in volunteering at the national level, there's a form that you can fill out. This form is available on nsaspeaker.org backslash volunteer. If you have an idea you want to share, we'd love to hear it. And you can submit your ideas through the NSA Idea Bank portal at nsaspeaker.org backslash idea bank. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Voices of Experience. Download alert. Are you a member of the National Speakers Association? If so, go to nsaspeaker.org forward slash VOE podcast and download a handout from John that will help you facilitate, direct, and dominate difficult conversations. Whether you're listening via your favorite podcast app, YouTube, or one of NSA's social media profiles, I invite you to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Be sure to join us next week when we'll be visited by an event professional who puts on events for over 4,000 attendees and a Speakers Bureau representative. They'll share what you should do to get more business from the Bureau Planner Perspective. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.